in the original script, Billy and Tyra like make out. I'm still upset that that didn't happen. Yeah, that is that's no fun. <laughs> I'm sure Palicki's thrilled it didn't. This is where it ends, boys. This Sad. is, I don't this know is where we die. Do my life. <laughs> we did it. I know. Four months later. So this is yeah. This so is a long time coming. I think that it's it's important to point out that this final episode, which will be airing on Friday, uh, episode five, is we're finishing it like literally this week during Friday Night Lights week. Yeah. When we started Friday Night Friday Night Lights week back in like March. Two of yes. us are literally a year older as of today. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we pulled the plug and like moved so many different things around. I think that as things ended up playing out, it was perfect because people started jumping on board that maybe we didn't think would jump on board. Um, Gaius was like a maybe for a long time, and then it was like, all right, so when's Gaius Charles coming on? We were like, oh, fuck, like now. So uh, thanks to everyone who's come on thus far. The guests have been great. The interviews have been great. Today's guest is the best guest, in, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, I would say the maybe the best guest we've had on the show overall. That like, is Darren Rovell has a special place in, <laughs> in my heart. Um, but, yeah, today's guest, um, we could say, we can say Derek it, yeah. Phillips, a.k.a. Billy Riggins. And, God. Who is Billy Riggins, by the way? Yes. Yes. He, he's Derek Phillips, but he is Billy Riggins. He should be the permanent brunch-like third man in i we have a lot of ideas where like we want to loop people back in like i mean like you guys are on the the podcast all the time but like we want some of our like quote-unquote like celebrity guests to just be like recur like i mentioned rovell every time we do something dumb i just feel like it would be hilarious if darren rovell happened to be a part of it so that's that's maybe our goal with Derek phillips um let's start in the riggins family and they turned over the cast of this show so many times. They took characters away and everything, and it always worked. But when the season starts with them taking Tim Riggins away, I think that's like a fucking that's like as big a monkey wrench as you can throw with the system. I think a show without Tim Riggins worked. I'm curious as to how you guys feel and why it did or didn't. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of a cloud looming over everything for a while in prison, just kind of sulking, but it allowed kind of the Riggins family to grow unofficially. You had um, Mindy kind of adopt Becky and Billy kind of adopt Luke, which was pretty cool. But yeah, Tim's absence is definitely noted. So I, I didn't have as much of a problem with Tim's absence as I did with who had, who Tim had become in season five. Like he became like Way dark, prison. He, yeah, dark right. whiny Tim Riggins, which was like, Fuck! I want to. I want to love Tim Riggins all the time, and it's hard to love him when he's this guy who's constantly sulking and like this dark, gloomy character. Yeah, you pussy. But, so what if you went to prison yeah, for something well, you didn't uh, yeah, do? Yeah, again, uh, it's like you're in fucking prison. I understand why that's why that's happening, but like, I want to love you. Stop being so miserable. 
it was very upsetting because the whole time you wouldn't want him. You'd think he'd be the kind of guy who would wear it, like the guy who would jump on a grenade in a foxhole and be happy he blew up. But well, he understandably well, wasn't. Well, yeah. Well, he was the one who like who volunteered to do it right. to save Billy, right. and then in at, towards the beginning of season five, he blamed Billy for everything. It did give him the opportunity to be mean as fuck to Billy. Like, some characters on the show are mean to each other in different ways. There are a lot of beefs in the show, especially in season five, by the way. Like, Luke versus, like, Hastings didn't have time for that shit. Too many beefs they're throwing in there. But Tim just, like... Well, Billy's trump card was always move out. Right. Go somewhere else. When right. he's in prison, he's got a place to stay. Right. So he can be as mean as he wants to Billy. Right. You really showed him. But when <laughs> Billy goes to visit Tim in season one, Tim is, like... In his mind, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna use. I've got like three bullets. How am I gonna use them all on Billy right now?" And Bill, like every positive thing that Billy tries to say, Tim turns it into like, "Well, I fucking hate you." Like when he's like, "Oh, I think I'm gonna maybe become a football coach," and Tim's like, "Sweet, don't care." And <laughs> Billy says, "The way I see it, I think in some ways I was kind of like your coach." And Tim just goes. Coach was my coach, and Billy's like, "Okay, uh, let's see what else. What else do we have?" I'd be pissed too if the only like communication I was getting was multiple letters from Becky every day. Like that's the only <laughs> fucking <laughs> thing you're hearing about. Like, Tell Becky to stop sending me shit. I would kill myself. Uh, uh, in, in, in Tim's defense, in that though, like when I'm in jail. Don't come with with the optimism. Like don't, right. don't yeah. come yeah, with like how your come, life is yeah, going. Exactly. Well. Don't put up the banner in the hospital. Like right, to, right. Yeah. to borrow a, a Lilaism. Yeah, you don't want to hear that. Like Billy's moving on and doing good things with his life when you're stuck in a fucking cell. Yeah, he, like, the the uh, the hospital thing's perfect. Yeah, let me be fucking paralyzed. Let me be in jail. I don't want to hear how like everything's gonna be great one day. I get raped every night. It's not <laughs> gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Um, Billy, you mentioned uh, Mindy. I don't think Tim got raped, by the way. I don't think he talked think, to anybody right, for yeah, the entire exactly. time. I can't imagine him interacting with. He anybody. was in solitary confinement without actually being put in the hole. Exactly, he just like sat there. The whole I would time. watch like a Tim Riggins prison spinoff, like Tim Riggins Oz. Like, yeah. I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, this isn't fun, but let's make some memories. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned Mindy. Season four was kind of where Billy took off. Season five is where Mindy just blossomed into the perfect character. Her rant against uh, Becky about there's a there's a fox in the the hen house and how she ends up taking Becky under her wing after the whole thing with Becky's father. Which uh, side note, Becky's father and Luke could actually be played by the same person. Yeah, Be- like, like Becky's father has some dirt on his face, and that's like the only difference. <laughs> Becky also is another person that looks no one like her parents. Like we yeah. talk about Lila, but well, they had a kid too young, but they adopted. So like Becky's yeah. Becky's yeah. mom like made the irresponsible decision at like fourteen years old to adopt. That's the only <laughs> thing that, that explains how she how had this a kid. redhead and Luke Cafferty came out with Becky. Right, like, uh, Becky, 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 Becky. She uh, says something early on this season that I was like, is there a character more into their own storyline than Becky. Um, she, oh, she comes back from the party, and Mindy yells at her, like, where have you been? Like, we've been staying up waiting for you and everything. And she's getting her ass, like, screamed at, and she goes, oh, I guess I'm not used to people noticing. And she's like, has a small little smile, and Mindy's Whoa. like, 
it is fucking 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. I don't give a shit about like, like your growth right now. Like I am pissed that you go to fucking bed. Mindy taking Becky under her wing was one of the weirder things. I like Becky didn't need to go under anyone's wing. Becky raised her. Becky raised her mother and raised herself. I think yeah. Becky needs to go under Landry's wing, and then like Landry again <laughs> murders her, and then no more Becky. Becky, uh, I saw Becky in a movie, uh, and it almost ruined the whole movie uh, recently. Probably because Becky was in it. Well, yeah, yeah. that's exactly. <laughs> By the way, you can take the, the fucking microphone out of the stand. John's doing the Freddie Mercury thing right now. He's walking around with the mic stand. So quickly on Billy again. Uh, Billy is a horrifically shitty coach, uh, role mentor. model, mentor, everything. So um, we were saying before we were looking at each other's notes. And we tell each other like, "All right, here are some things that that I've been uh, that I took uh, down." And you said you're like, "I wrote down." Luke is a clown. Why? It's like because he starts taking <laughs> advice from Billy Riggins. Luke is a promising, like good athlete, good student too, and everything. Like he's well behaved and everything. And then Billy starts having him over his house. <laughs> he gives him whiskey, has him call the recruiters who are like maybe like have a chance of him future. going right. And had him scream at them and tell them off. And Billy's sitting there the whole time like, yeah, this is, I'm, this I'm, is the right thing. <laughs> yeah. This is what you should be doing at your age. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Billy is such an interesting character because he's such a good person, but he sucks at literally everything that he does. But the worst part about that was that Billy knew better because Billy was actually really good with him. Like Billy helped him through the recruiting process really well. He made the videos. The video, yeah. He didn't have him get drunk and yell at recruiters. Like he knew the right, right way to do it, so it made so much less sense. Like and Billy he just has got drunk and blew coach. off the recruiters. And he had personal growth. Like he had a child of his own. Right. <laughs> there was no way that there was no way that that should have happened. I will say though that uh, when uh, Tim uh, bangs Tyra. And then Mindy gives a little spiel about, like, it's not cool for you to bang my sister anymore. Them both being like, it's not incest. And she's like, well, I know it's not technically incest. And they're just like, no, but, like, it's it's fine. It, it's it's not incest. That's Classic like, Riggins brothers. That should be, like, on, on the Riggins tombstones. Yeah. It's not incest. Just in Latin, like, Riggins, <laughs> like, e pluribus not incest. <laughs> e pluribus not incest family. Um, You've got a family now, Billy. Uh... How did we feel about, by the way, Tyra coming back and doing the nasty with Tim? Because I feel like that's actually, you know what? That is fitting of Tyra. I because think even that when is she's very fitting of Tyra because, because Tyra always seemed like a townie type. Where like, oh no, I, I think always, she's a townie type. But I was gonna say I think that she has a good head on her shoulders, but she always wants to have that relapse. She wants to start getting the g- good grades. She wants to do the extracurriculars, but then she wants to miss a week of school to ride around with with cash. So I think that she's still. And she's, doesn't she say in like that when they're out to drinks with Julie or whatever that she's like crushing it in college and that she's like has an internship or whatever is successful? I think like coming back and banging Tim Riggins is like I don't even logical. think it's it's something with her. I think it's just Tim's got that good dick. It's, I mean, <laughs> Lila did the same thing. Even like the post prison was doing the Lila same thing. Lila came back for a funeral. Yeah, but then didn't leave. Then was like, "Fuck Vanderbilt, I'll stay here and keep getting banged in a trailer." (laughs) And Tim was like, "No, you got to get the fuck out of here." That was that's a good point. Tim's got that. He's got that crave. I so like the way that I look at Tyra is that 
Like she's the kind of person who would go away for a little bit just to kind of escape Texas and like the small town of Dylan. Fuck but, the businessman. But, but I and... think that like deep down, Tyra loves Dylan. Yeah, she and Julie kind of talk about it. They're like they can't. There's something in them they like can't fully escape. Like, but she, as much as she wants to, I think she says she wants to be like Tammy, but like even more successful or something like that. Like she just can't. There's something in her that she can't escape. Dylan. Uh, back to, to Billy and uh, Luke sucking together in a good, good way. Um, so Luke makes the decision that he's just going to quit football. And we can't tell if like he was of the right mind when he made this decision. Like It's not clear whether he did the right thing, right? So he quits football. He goes to and joins the army. And like they're all on the field uh, before their last game, and they're doing the thing, the Friday Night Lights thing. They're they're drinking and throwing the ball around, and um, Luke gives like this like it's supposed to be like a motivational speech. He's like, "Guys, we're gonna go there. We're gonna leave everything on the field. That's fucking it. I'm done with football." And all the other characters like they're torn between like we want to be like, "Yeah, good speech," and like Vince is like, "Aren't you like ruining your your life right now?" So. Luke, Luke. I don't know if he did the right thing. Right. Well, I don't know. I go back and forth with Luke. I mean, the I like Luke. I I think a hot take is that he's the best football player in Dylan history. What? Yeah. Well, a crazy take because he plays offense. He plays defense. He plays quarterback. I know a lot of friends (laughs) in high school. Tim Riggins did these things too. Did well. He didn't play quarterback, but Tim Riggins played both sides of the ball. Did he play quarterback well though? Uh, They won. Did they win that game? Yeah, sort of, I think so. like Tim Tebow won. True. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, so, it's either for me, it's either Vince or Luke. Oh would, no, I mean, it's, that, there is no question. Jason Vince. Street go into that into that conversation where like consensus like number one quarterback in the nation. Yeah, but he, but yeah. we didn't get to see. We didn't him, get to see him, right? But like, what happens when Riggins. push came to shove? <laughs> he was so you're like <laughs> he was going to Notre Dame, so you know he push sucks. comes to shove like his, <laughs> big spot. He throws a pick and then paralyzes himself. <laughs> no, um, that was bad. Um, <laughs> that's the uh, that's like the Alex Ovechkin can never win a cup. It's like Jason Street, right? Uh, He's never gonna he, win. He can't make through a big game without being able to walk at the end. <laughs> Although he comes back and he tries to recruit uh, Coach Taylor to yeah, go his to meteoric rise, right? Of his now sports he's agent. like the go right now. Uh, they're using him. They're like, how can we get to Eric Taylor? We'll use budding superstar Jason Street, um, the kid who hasn't gone to college, <laughs> or in a, in a, an office full of Harvard law graduates. Right. We'll yeah. send the kid in the wheelchair out because he's definitely the one. And let's <laughs> let's sell him on this college job. Street, he knows nothing about college. <laughs> Street's rise is almost as unrealistic as Tammy's rise. Tammy's rise is crazy. Yeah, I believe Tammy's rise. Yeah. I think we've had this debate before, but we I have, get, but I get her getting the job, and then. I get her getting the initial job because a coach hooked her up with that. And then once you see her working, like, why wouldn't she keep getting promoted? Every, she helps like, their every college year, like crazy. Like every six months. Yeah. She goes from unemployed to dean of admissions of, like, an Ivy League private college right. in, yeah, like... Maybe that last bit a little, <laughs> little unrealistic. She is a hard worker, though, and she's great, and she cares. Though, so I see why it can also be realistic. I see within, I see within the, yeah, the structure of the school. I see within, like... Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Like well, the school, the Dylan school system. I get that. Once we start bringing in dean of admissions, and yeah, it's yeah, it's like, like when <laughs> it's when a, when a school in Philadelphia 
like scouts her, being Braymore, like, "We man. want you." Yeah. Did that school ever get named, or was that just Braymore? Supposed to be? Braymore, 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 something like that. Uh, I actually want to talk about Tammy at East Dillon. Um, so she, because of the whole abortion thing, she's the uh, guidance counselor there now, and the cast of characters with which she works at East Dillon is amazing. They basically take like Coach Taylor discovering like the rats in the field house in season four and then just make a school version out of that. Um, There is Levi the principal who is more over being a principal than any person (laughs) could ever be. He's just so tired with everything. All he wants to do, (laughs) like every question he's asked, his answer is like, fine, but let me tell you, we don't have any money. And then he walks away and it's like, you didn't solve anything there. Like the question could be like, where do you want to go for lunch today? And he'd be like, oh, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. He's over. Like, he's not over being a principal. He's over being alive. Like, yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, when he goes it. home to his wife or something, he's just the most miserable fuck. Right. On I would love for like one episode of them be like, Levi, how long have you been here? Like how many years have you been working at the school? And he'd be like, oh, one it's like wow (laughs) (laughs) it's not even that bad um so there's levi who god bless him i mean he's basically he's glenn of east dylan because he's like the comic relief but i was gonna say he's danny glover he's i was yeah i was gonna say that he's too old for this shit (laughs) yeah Uh, he's glenn he's like the the polar he's a bizarro glenn like polar opposite Glenn loved every second of his job. Well, like, I mean that in Dylan High um, interactions, like, there will just be, like, basic mundane shit going on. And then you see Glenn's there and you giggle. And that's what it's like with with Levi. Like, they'll be having a basic conversation about, like, college admissions. And it's like, all right, let's have them do handwritten things instead of, like, print them out or whatever. And he's like, we don't got money for pens. (laughs) If you say so or whatever. Um and in addition to Levi, I don't know her name, but there is the teacher who fucking hates students. Yeah, I don't know um, her name. I just call her Chardonnay or like Pinot Grigio. She, yeah, and she's always like, t- like, oh, we got to get together for happy hour and shit like that. And it's like, you, this this woman is like 30, 31 years old tops. And she her job at a high school has driven her to be an alcoholic. But, I, but I get that. Okay. But, totally. Uh, I do too. So like Dylan, how how old do you think like teachers start in dylan it's got to be like 21 right so yeah. she's probably been on the job for 10 years that's true she's and been there dealing with the shitheads <laughs> yeah how long, and, and dealing... how long does it take the average job to break your spirit three years maybe yeah you factor in kids that's expedited a year and a half it's probably one full year of teaching and you're like i hate everyone and everything <laughs> she, i would get that she calls epic uh a psychopath to her face like imagine one of your teachers i had teachers who called me a lot of things but none of them have ever been like dude you're fucked up <laughs> like there is like you are a problem for everybody so um, now that we're on the topic of epic epic just Ugh. literally not a character in the series history that i could give less of a fuck about than epic uh, they, it gave tammy something to do it was important for tammy's character i they, have like, like very little recollection recollection of epic that's how meaningless she was apparently they introduced characters in season five and they're like kind of all duds like epic who cares hastings who cares uh, buddy, even Buddy Junior, like he's in it for like an ep- like. Oh, you they know. know Buddy Junior was a swing and a miss. <laughs> they knew that like 
Well, the best is that like they introduce him and spend a bunch of time on him, and then they just he hurts himself and doing like a Samoan rest. war dance that <laughs> Billy <Right. laughs> because Billy is having them fucking dance instead of practice football. Yeah. Um. So I didn't mind Hastings. Hastings was good. He was. Um, right. All right. Yeah, he was. This was, was also another added element to like the the East Dillon bond that they kind of needed. Yeah, they needed. Well, here's the thing. He's not Tim Riggins. But they needed, like, a party guy, I don't give a fuck about everything, like, I'm super chill, I probably smoke a lot of weed kind of character. And they didn't really have one of those anymore since since Tim was in prison. So he was the one, remember, when they go to, um, Jeff, help me out, where is the, the, the away game? Uh, Kingdom. Kingdom, when it's they go the to school Kingdom. that they, like, forfeited the year before. That's right. So because He brought the whiskey. He, go, he brought them to, like, this, like, fucking weird ass party oh, right outside. where they got branded yeah they yeah branded and they, each they, they other branded coat yeah that was very interesting and odd yeah also i think is it i love that episode though. does luke suggest getting branded luke is super fucked up so he's uh, probably i have it written in my notes somewhere so he's super uh into it let me see uh i can't find it but he's like luke is super into it and he's like we're like we're brothers this is yeah. how like we're, we bond and like every, no one's really paying attention and when he suggests like and that's why i'm gonna brand myself like hastings eyes like he gets a look <laughs> on his face like i don't give a fuck about any of this other stuff you're talking about but i think i might get to see somebody fucking burn their <laughs> arm right now and i am into seeing that take place Anytime I see someone with a brand, I'm like, whoa. It's like, badass. That's, that's badass. <laughs> Super fucking badass. Like, something happened. It's insane. In you have to be like real fucked up. Like uh, like black fraternities, they all do that. You see all the yeah. all like the like football players all like a sigma like, on their arms. I don't know if I've ever seen like a white person with a brand now that I think about it. It's like I mean, Johnny Knoxville probably has well, yeah, on the his dick ass. on his ass. <laughs> but, <laughs> or no, Bam Margera with a dick on his ass. That's about it. I think it's pretty much just psycho white people do it on their ass and that's nowhere else. But but the black like the the multicultural fraternities I used to, at school I used to see them all the time. I'd be like, you're out of your fucking mind, dude. Because it never heals well. It no. Right, like, it's only going, like, it is the, the most guaranteed to look bad thing you can do. Yeah. It just looks like a crazy ass, like, vein. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, we mentioned Buddy Jr. Uh, when, Great casting, by the way. When Buddy, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We've talked about yes. this before, but uh, it's so hard to find anybody that looks like Brad Leland, who plays <laughs> right. Buddy Garrity. They picked the one person on earth who very closely resembles him right i saw captain america and they had like a young robert downey jr they like cgi'd his face and that's what it looked like with buddy jr like they cgi'd like a young brad leland's face <laughs> onto him it was i don't know well, you know what they do that with watch the with boardwalk and, empire i was gonna say fast and the furious <laughs> well, yeah, what they do is well that's because the, the character died <laughs> well still and they had this, this is somebody. another topic for another time that i'm very upset <laughs> with the, you guys <laughs> but the yeah. uh boardwalk empire they had like a young um, Steve Buscemi, and so they ha- like they installed teeth implants in him. Wow! Ooh. And it ended up looking perfectly like him as a younger version. So, who the fuck knew? <laughs> um, so Buddy brings Buddy Junior to Coach Taylor, and he's like, "My like my boy's troubled." And Coach Taylor responds to him, "Quote: Can he play again? Is there not a fucking JV program?" At any of these schools, like I understand maybe East Dillon, but like all these kids who just like show up, like Santiago is like, oh, he's troubled. Like, let's put him on the football team. Yeah, but like, Santiago it never crosses is actually like super athletic. an athletic freak, right? Yeah. yeah, it never crosses any of these guys' minds though. And again, same with uh, with Luke. Like, are these guys never 
why don't you just put them on JV? Like, wh- why should this kid, this colossal fuck up, who is remarkably out of shape and not tall enough to be out of shape in a good way, um, why is he like Coach Eric Taylor as I live and breathe's problem? So my explanation would probably be because do you think that Buddy Garrity would ever allow his child to play JV? For for Dylan, that's football. true. But does Eric need anything from Buddy anymore? But yeah, I don't think Coach Taylor really gives a fuck about Buddy. Yeah, Coach Taylor, Coach Taylor. Wait, wait, is he a even booster? like in season one, Coach Taylor could tell I, Buddy to go fuck himself. He's like the only person who could. Yeah, no. Well, we the only one. That. Yeah, the only the one only who really like ever up does him. is Joe McCoy. The only one who's like Buddy, get the fuck out of my face. Sure, I'm Joe. more important than you. I I mean, I don't think that Coach Taylor really liked Buddy Garrity, especially at the Tolerate. beginning. Yeah. He needed Buddy Garrity, and he he realized that. Yeah, I think that East Dillon was still in like a a vulnerable state that he needed the support of Buddy Garrity. Hmm. Um, when Buddy is chasing Buddy Junior, remember when Buddy takes off with the car, and uh, then that Coach has ridiculous. to drive him, and he sees him, and like Buddy gets one of those like, "All right, wait, stop the car." There's that motherfucker, and he gets in like. Buddy Jr. takes off on foot and he's chasing him like this big fucking heavy set man chasing after this child. I was like, but again, again, because we've seen the murder thing happen before. I was like, oh, like really? Season five is going to be about Buddy's heart attack. And like the next like four to five episodes is going to be about like burying in the hospital. But no, like I seriously thought I was like, this is where it actually I wouldn't hate it if they killed off Buddy in season five. If it's ending anyway, like. I guess there would be no reason to kill off Buddy. Did you think it was going there though? Like when no, he was cha- not at really? all. There was never a second where I was like, "Buddy's gonna die." I man, I worry about that shit. Um, <laughs> Vince's dad is in the picture, and in the beginning, it is like telling off your parents' porn with like it's like every scene is just like Vince getting in his dad's face, being like, "You were never there for me. Fuck your shit." And then like that's it. And then um, obviously. Vince's dad becomes more a part of his life once he uh, he beats up Canard for Vince, and then um, he all the recruiting messes and everything happen. Uh, I liked the the Vince and Vince's dad relationship. I did too, I and did I too. liked it because uh, it was a constant tug of war between is Vince's dad like really like changed? Is he recovered versus? He's is he gonna fuck up again? And no, like, his dad was, is his new vice, or his kid is his new vice. I guess like the game that he was running before was like peddling drugs, and now it's like peddling his son. Yeah, but uh, like you, there were points where you like Vince's dad actually cares about Vince, and he's really important to him. And then there'd be like slip ups where you'd be like, this is still the same guy, and he's gonna fuck him over. Do you think that it was that what he did was? enough to have vince forgive him and even have his ear because vince i mean in the beginning he's like telling his mom watch out for this guy like he's not comfortable when uh coach taylor and his dad are in the same place because he's afraid his dad's gonna fuck it up in some way it gets to the point where he is like is following his dad blindly into some like dumb shit is it believable that he would do that given how strong his convictions were earlier? I think so. He's like a 16, 17-year-old kid. Mm. I, I thought I loved the storyline. That Plus, was pretty believable. Especially with like how his mom felt about his dad. Yeah. Living at home and seeing like how much your mom is like pulling for your dad and on his team. And then like because Vince really cares for his mom. So seeing that and then like eventually letting his dad crack 
and and yeah. win him over. I can see why Vince would like fully support his dad once he kind of broke the surface. I'm thinking. I get it. I I think that's a tired storyline, though. It's always like the father coming back once the son gets big. Yeah, I, if I was a 17 year old kid, I'd probably do it. I can see someone else doing it, but I was. I always think it's like not forced. It's a, you know what? It's it's like um, an emotional version of the Hail Mary pass to end every game, where it's like <laughs> it's yeah, true. This yeah. Is such a fucking cliche where you deal with it because because it's, it's Friday Night Lights and they do it well. But I I I'm not often thrilled with that. So what got uh, Vince's dad back in Vince's good graces is that his dad uh, squashed the beef, settled the score or whatever with Kennard, who was Calvin's friend, who uh, Vince was supposed to go with and get revenge for Calvin's death in season four. And he also borrowed a lot of money for uh, from him to put his mom through rehab and everything. Um, when Kennard comes back in season five, like looking for the money, I didn't realize it till the last time I was watching it. Um, Kennard is like the Joker. He's like that, like super, super overacted, like prissy, flamboyant villain. And that is my favorite villain in the world. Like, do you guys remember any of the shit that he did? I don't remember Kennard almost at all. So. I remember him showing up at like barbecues or st- like he would just kind of like pop up and like hang on a door. So that's so exactly like he would hang on doors and he would like make these eyes all the time <laughs> and. Uh, there's a scene where it sucks because this is uh, audio, um, but he goes to Jess, who is still dating Vince at the time, oh, yeah. and threatens her. He basically says he's going to burn down um, her daddy's uh, barbecue joint. And he says something to the effect, he was like, ooh, there could be a grease fire around her here. <laughs> like, best smell and burn all Texas. <laughs> so she pushes him off and runs away, and they just... They end the scene with a shot of him just like leaning against this trash, this uh, dumpster. Uh, dumpster. There it is. He's leaning against the dumpster, like, like making one of these sorts of faces. And it forced me to look up what that actor's deal was. And he's like this super British theatrical actor, uh. and he was playing like the hardest thug in the world. So basically, he's I'm trying assuming, to like Idris Elba it, right? Um, yeah, I'm assuming like this actor felt he had no choice. He was like, I don't want to play like a dime a dozen like let's go in and like shoot some people like kind of like bad guy and he just overdid it so fucking much i can't (laughs) believe i never noticed it the first few times i watched the show by the way uh michael b jordan vince his character he he has like a friend who gets shot right and and dies he dies right yeah uh so (laughs) calvin was on the football team uh he got kicked off yeah he quit yeah is there any more of like a stereotypical thing like this always happens in sports movies and in TV shows and stuff like that? Like the 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 like the bad kid who fucking quits a team and is like fuck this always dies. Yeah, always dies yeah. just to prove the point that like th- that football like sets you straight. Yeah, the only time always they, happens. The only time they reversed it was that Keanu Reeves movie where they killed the little kid, the baseball one. Uh, Hardball, baby. Hardball. Uh, what's his name? G baby. G baby. Rest in peace. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they do that. Like, I mean, the path he was going down. If the one that I was thinking about is like um, the, the the coach Carter, the kid who fucking quits the yep. team, and then his like cousin gets shot up, and he comes crying back and gets back on the team. Except it was fucking Calvin who died. <laughs> Uh, what do we think about Coach Taylor actually benching Vince over all this shit? 
he was right. Vince was a prick. Like Vince took a hard left into being like like really soaking in like the ego and everything like that and all the recruiting stuff and he the team was fighting and he made a change and does that happen in Texas football though? I mean, they are fucking crazy about football down there. Like do it you doesn't do happen. you t- yeah, like you can't so sit the all world athlete. Again, it goes back for me to the fact that it's East Dillon. That would never happen at Dillon. Nobody really cared about East Dillon at the time. But I mean, he's still he's getting recruited by fucking now D1 college programs to be their head coach. But at it's East like, all right, Dillon, so you're going to deal with a bunch Dillon, of recruits with way bigger egos. And what are you going to do when they when they fuck up? You're going to bench them, too? You're going to lose but every game. But at East Dillon, it's like Coach Taylor against the world. And so if he benches fucking – if he benches Vince, who does he really have to answer to in terms of, like, a football hire? Levi. Being? Yeah, Levi's going to be like, care about football. someone came up to me and said that someone's mad about something. <laughs> Look, I got to go to bed. <laughs> So like that's that's what I attribute it back to. Like that would never happen with the Dylan Panthers, but I can see that being Coach Taylor can because pull he that played card. JD in yeah you're right because he played JD in season three when it was the right thing to to do. He like he if he was going to stick to his convictions in season three he would have said no JD you're too young and everything but yeah. he was like we can't he caved not into play. the pressure yeah I think that he did the right thing in season three I would have kept playing JD because JD was better than Saracen. Just me. I wouldn't have kept playing JD just because I hate him so much. Which I guess is the same reason that Coach benched yeah. Vince. Yeah. So uh, I guess I like, do get it. I but, didn't get it. Okay, so... But if you kept playing JD, like, the the point where the, the season turned around is when Saracen went back in at quarterback once JD fucked everything up. Right, but, I mean, they got there because it... Like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be, like, a JD fanboy or whatever. Like, I'm saying clearly in season three... Uh, Taylor is like, am I going to play the kid that I like, play the kid that, that has a good attitude, even though Saracen didn't have a good attitude then either, so he wasn't really leaving him much of a choice. He's like, or am I going to play the star player? I feel that in Dillon, Texas, in Texas in high school, you're going to be playing that kid 10 times out of 10. You're going to be playing the one who is better at football. So I thought it was... It showed a lot of chutzpah from Coach Taylor in season five. And I think that a lot of people probably took that story in stride. Like, oh, of course, he's misbehaving, so he has to sit. Like, I just feel like that shit would well, never actually Vince, happen. Vince pushed him to the point where it was like, on, honestly, that they might be in a worse position if Vince is playing I mean, he wasn't running the plays that he yes, was told to run. Exactly. Um, Vince was a, yeah, Vince was kind of a dick in, uh, in season five. Um, Let's transition it to Julie Taylor. That's exactly where I wanted to go. Uh, because she goes off to college. Matt is completely out of the picture at this point, And she starts having an affair with a TA. And just quick side note. Like, Julie Taylor fucking loves older dudes. Yeah. Well, also, like, TAs and students, like, have relationships. Like, th- that's not, like, a crazy thing. No, he man. plays, like, a... 50-year-old T.A. Like, how old is he supposed to be? <laughs> He's probably in his late 20s, early 30s. Right. But, I mean, I thought it was so funny that she's, like, she tells, like, her parents, like, oh, I was messing around with, like, a T.A. And they were like, ah! It's like, <laughs> that's, like, a lot of, like, normal relationships exist between. Well, well I think you're trying to say, like, T.A.s are usually students. And he yes, did not right. seem like a student. Oh, okay, right. That's a, yeah. Because he was doing a. He was married. Yeah. And, and 
you know, it seemed like he was a lot older. Than also, he like was. he was a goofball. Like at this point, Julie Taylor is looking good. She could probably get she get that frat boy who's in class just taking notes when she tries to be partners with him. She get anybody she wants, and she's off banging a guy who wants to eat fry bread all day. But she fucking loves older dudes. Like she would fuck the like cashier at the Alamo Freeze if he was a forty year old. <laughs> she did fuck the cashier at the Alamo Freeze, <laughs> but he wasn't a forty year old. Um, yeah. Uh, my th- the biggest thing is that she didn't drive far when she crashed into that thing. Like that was like a not a violent accident. I thought that was handled poorly. Um, that was the most absurd scene. Yeah, just driving away, and she was. That's what she decided to do, and literally just drove into it from ten feet away. <laughs> you know what that scene reminds me? Of? You know, in uh, it's always sunny when oh, uh, the, they're faking their death. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and they're they're waiting for it to explode. They throw the grenade, and like they have their ears covered and everything. It's just like, and like, that's it. That's what, like, Julie was like, all right, that's it. It's finally over. I'm going to fucking kill him. All right. Boom, this mailbox is I should is get done. out of the car now. I don't think she was trying to kill herself. She was just trying to just avoid going out. back to school. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's such a horrible way to avoid going back to <laughs> yeah. school. I got in a minor like, car how <laughs> and, that, and, like, that's the way that it was handled, too. Uh Coach Taylor, like, Coach Taylor was like, "We'll get it fixed. Just go back, back to school." school. Yeah, yeah. He says, "He says like it's it's." The, I remember they're having breakfast or whatever. He's like, "Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna take the car to get fixed today. It'll be when done it comes by back, noon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously, he's like, I get it back at about like 1:45. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go. Um, we'll buff out this scratch real quick, yeah. and you'll be fine. Yeah, like I mean, as crazy shit. I mean, they fucking killed a guy in this show. Like there was shark DNA involved. Uh, Billy got into a more violent." car accident in a much smaller storyline they could have done some crazier shit than just she drove 20 feet like 14 miles that car can't accelerate that's like this it's like a that's like a uh a chevy avio or something yeah like it was that. like the smallest like compact car it was tiny yeah that's the that was uh that was ridiculous um, but it did bring out some awesome like intense both coach and Tammy moments, like when they both confront uh, mm. the TA Derek, like when Tammy's picking up her books, that's super awkward. Yeah. And um, when he drops by the house Ooh. and coach Taylor Fuck becomes legitimately up. like frightening for the first time. Yeah. I, I will say that I will, n- I would never want to date Julie Taylor. First of all, because Julie oh. Taylor's fucking terrible. Look, oh, okay. You, like you wouldn't want to date Julie Taylor the person, the person, the okay. character. Because in I would, season one, I think Amy Teagarden is gorgeous. Yeah, me too. Me too. So uh, I would never want to date uh, Julie Taylor the person because she's one a terrible person. She treats fucking her boyfriends and people like shit, and she's a head case. And two, fucking dad is terrifying. Her like idea the, of like a, the of worst date nightmare for a concert, boyfriend's though, dad. So like I could kind of like I go on like two dates with with julie taylor like she listens to cool music and she's attractive enough but you go you so you'd, you'd skip out right before the sex right yes exactly <laughs> yeah well then because then he would come around brandishing the what does he have uh, he he breaks part of Derek's car was something i don't know what it is but it, it was almost like he had like a rolled Golf up club. newspaper and like broke <laughs> oh, his like see, windshield I thought, it was, I thought it was like part of like a kitty but it looked it like was, the handlebar yes. of like a kitty bike yeah, or something they were setting something up for Demon oh. Child, Gracie Bell, and yes. uh, he used a toy. Um, Matt, surprisingly, like didn't give a shit. He's just like, whatever. He makes a joke about bagels once she tells him that, doesn't she? Doesn't he? He was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but I think I should tell you 
that we should go get some bagels. Yeah, he and does she's say like, that. oh. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that Saracen proposed outside of the Alamo Free. I know. Dude, I, romantic, yeah, I romantic. Like that's that where move. they met. That's, that's they the met. Michael Scott. That's where your whole relationship happened. Yeah. Michael Scott takes you around the office. Saracen takes you on the Alamo Freeze. That's where you guys got to know each other. Except uh, he didn't burn the place place down like Michael Scott. They didn't. Did. They didn't meet at the Alamo Freeze though. Yes, but they that's did. where she like she do her homework there. That's where that's where the relationship really blossomed. I I guess, but wouldn't you like? I don't know. I the, thought that's the where football they didn't, aren't they No, the they Alamo? met at the diner. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. One of three restaurants in Donuts. The yeah. Alamo Freeze, Applebee's. So he misremembered exactly. where they met. The so Applebee's he took her to, to. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. the progression. It, it's you. So well, I guess the Alamo Freeze is probably for the kids. The diners for the the teenagers, and then Applebee's like the classy joint. Yep. Applebee's is yeah. Everything else is just a barbecue in someone's backyard. That's where <laughs> yeah. every meal in Dylan takes place. All right. Uh, let's wrap everything here before we get to our our interview with some uh, overall Dylan Texas stuff. Um, Coach Taylor coached five teams in his five years. Uh, who do we feel which do or which do we feel was the best? Let's start with you, Jeff. I want to I want to see how this this develops around the circle. Jeff's uh, Jeff's a season four, season five fanboy. So yeah, yeah I think my East Dillon homie. season five East Dillon Lions best team ever. Absolutely. So I saw this 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 question was posed by Shea Serrano um, in his newsletter, and he said that he thinks that. So he like really kind of twisted the question. He said that he thinks that season three's second half uh, state championship team was like the best team in the history of the show. That, Which is is that, like, was that JD, when JD came in the second half? That's when Saracen came in in the second half so and replaced yeah. JD. Which is like a really weird thing to do to just be like, this is the best team of the entire five year run in one half. So I, I think that that's a weird angle to take. Yeah, other teams playing prevent defense. And everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Like they're down by they're down by like thirty points. Yeah. Um, I I'll say, I think that the first season team, first season one team, is the best team that they have. Same. I think that uh, the season three Panthers are almost like the two thousand seven uh, Patriots. Like they're pretty perfect but they've got this like sort of herky-jerky end that that happens i mean like between what saracen brought to the table and jd was like jd should have been like this like fail safe right like he's like the we were saying uh with joe mccoy like either the Peyton manning or the jimmy clausen or whatever like he's like this perfect like option to have so i thought that they were close to being the best team, even though they obviously didn't win. Overall, though, I still go season five. I will say, um, in season five, when they're talking about the super team, Tinker is all down on himself, and Vince asks him what's wrong, and he's like, oh, they're going to make a super team, but I'm not going to be a part of it. And it's like, no, you don't, Friday Night Lights writers. Like, you're not going to suddenly say now, like, oh, all along, Tinker was actually a bad football player. Like, the reason that this team is supposedly so good is because they have Vincent Howard on offense and Luke on offense. And then they have this defense that like everyone is fucking horrified of. So I thought it was sneaky of them to try to play up that like, Oh, Tink is just like the lovable loser. But I, so for back to like the season one team, I think that the argument that like Shea Serrano made against picking season one was that like Tim Riggins was a sophomore. 
Um, Smash, Mil- Smash Williams. Tim Riggins was still the baddest motherfucker in Texas. Yeah, he was still a like a very yeah. important player, and they made that clear in season one. Like the first and- clip they ever show on a football field is him just ripping someone's head off. Like guys, there, it's like him hung over an interview, and then the next clip is him just <laughs> destroying someone at practice. He was he might have been pre puberty, but he was a bad boy. And then they and then he like made the argument that. That Smash Williams like w- maybe wouldn't have been Smash Williams if Street didn't get injured, and I don't know if I necessarily buy that because if anything, you could make the argument that Smash Williams would have been m- even better if Street was still on the field because you—that's a two-headed monster. You've got a like the the crazy passing threat, the most fucking dangerous top prospect in the nation and then you got a guy who obviously has the talent and the running ability to fucking to to double off that and run all and, over the the pass defense and smash wasn't a Legarrette blunt smash was a receiving threat too he caught a lot yeah. of passes out right of the, the, the so reason had... uh, the reason was it widmore wanted him was because they were like we don't like big and strong we like quick and agile right yeah not to mention smash wasn't like this timid little thing that had to come out of his shell when he was called upon by when when street went down he was a cocky motherfucker yeah he was always confident in his abilities that wasn't the problem if street was still healthy i would have picked season one i think street's the difference for me because i think but, vince but, is better than saracen but street but made, in that but against that argument the the team that serrano picked had saracen at quarterback as well i mean he's a more developed quarterback yeah. but it's still well, here's the thing vince is the best player that coach taylor ever has but um Sarah, uh, uh, Street has it on everybody else because even though, like, I mean, the ceiling on JD was supposed to be like endless, but he actually well, the ceiling street on JD, lasted. The, st- the ceiling on JD was like he was supposed to be the next Street. Well, that's the thing. Like, Street actually at least made it until yeah. his senior season before he got injured and that it ended his career. Like, we don't know. It drives me fucking crazy the way they handled uh, things with JD. Like, we don't know whether or not he actually continued to to be great or if he just mm-hmm. fizzled out because i mean yeah they lost in season four against east dylan but he still could have been like having an insane season and maybe like everyone else on the team sucked but so. was like was was jd mccoy ever like this really unbelievable quarterback even when he played with dylan in season three yeah he, no, no he was just better than matt saracen yeah who oh, okay, was not not, not good, yeah. great yeah that's that's like my argument against picking fucking JD McCoy and like making that's that the true. centerpiece of my of, team. That's true. He had a lot of a lot of pub, but he never really did anything on the field that was that awe-inspiring. Well, he threw the well, it was in practice. Yeah, it was right? a workout warrior. Yeah, when they were throwing the uh when they were throwing the touchdown passes and they were just basically going like one for one and JD launched like a fucking like 80-yard pass or something and then Saracen tried to do it and like crapped his pants or something. <laughs> Do you guys think that Coach Taylor made the right choice in the end by going oh, to Philly? No. Well, first of all, we had to bring this up. Yeah, obviously. No, this that was Emmett Smith. That was, I guess, maybe the right choice for his family and his future. But that was that was a disservice to football fans in general. Okay. Yeah, I that made me very mad. Honestly, really? <laughs> yeah, I uh, like I understand why he did it, and I and it's fine. But like football was the central theme of the show for the entire run. And then just like at the end, like the very last episode to be like, all right, family's more important. What does he tell his, uh, what does he tell his players in season one? He said, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to be 
like the man of the house, you're going to have to provide for your family. And there's nothing more important than providing for your family. And he was doing that to justify, I'm leaving Dylan because I'm going to TMU. I'm going to get a better job. It's going to be better for my career. And I'm going to be able to provide for my family. Uh, the ceiling as a football coach, as a college football coach financially, is probably higher than a dean of admissions, right? Yeah, but he's coaching high he's school. He's coaching high school in Philadelphia. Right. No, I'm saying so he made the wrong choice oh, by okay. going with his wife. Like he the correct choice by his been, morals would yes. have been to go to uh, the call uh, Shane State and because they were offering him a ton of money and do that. But I I, I think I think Coach Taylor's all about football and family and he's going to go to this place with no pressure. He's going to be able to just focus on football. But he wants the pressure. bullshit. You know, he wants football. He wants and to his, be great. He wants to be great. Like I don't know. He's embarrassed when he's the kingmaker, uh, that ep- that uh, magazine yeah. thing. So I-, I think he made the right choice. Um, he's with Tammy. Gracie Bell is going to develop some sort of weird Philadelphia, <laughs> Texas accent. You don't think that like he could have parlayed like the opportunity of a lifetime to coach the fucking Dylan Super Team and then mi- and then turn it into like a big time college offer. Right. Well, I was going to say, or even just take the college offer that he had that was on the table. Like, just, they they had all those oranges. They were giving him full control. Like, if he had two good years there, then he's the next. It also makes me mad, the, the aspect that, like, <laughs> Connie Britton, uh, Tammy Taylor, it, career, her career started four years ago. She does say at one point, she was like, I've just been doing this high school thing all these years. Yeah, and it's exactly. Like, I, it's like, I've played coach's wife all these years. It's like, well, you started your career four right, years I was ago. Say, like, that would be like if like two years, two, three years out of college, been like, oh man, like I've been working in the media all these years. And it's like, no, like you're still relatively inexperienced. Though. Like you're still kind of coming along all yeah, these years. It's like, Come but on, she Tammy. couldn't get a job because of coach for like 18 years. And then she got one. I don't know. I'm with Tammy here. Well, here's the thing. Who's better at her job? Who's better at their job, uh, Coach or Tammy? If Coach was as good as her his job as Tammy was at her job, then he'd be coaching the fucking Cowboys. Right. He'd, he'd have an NFL offer. Yes. Right. So I could see why um, they would at least feel that way. Um, are we wrapping? Interview I think time? that's it. We're going to wrap. Right. Interview time. Uh, God bless you all for, fun. for joining us, for listening. This has been it a lot of fun. Derek Phillips plays Billy Riggins on Friday Night Lights. Uh, he is definitely one of our favorite characters on the show. Derek, it is extremely cool to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You just had a big birthday, sir. I did, yeah. I just turned uh, 40. Billy Riggins. You don't sound happy about it. Right. I'm not thrilled about it, to be honest with you. You know, waking up and peeing three times a night is not exactly what I've been looking forward to in life. That's what Billy but, Riggins you know. did the whole show anyway, though. I'm not peeing in a sink this time, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you said, you, you were just telling us before that uh, you had a pretty insane 40th birthday party. Yeah, it was great. Uh, as I said, um, I, I, I have a group of friends out here, uh, but Adrian Palicki and uh, Stacey Oristano, they kept asking me what I wanted to do for my 40th. And I was like, guys, I've been out of town like the past week and a half working, and I just didn't have time to plan anything. And they kept calling and calling and calling. I was like, look, I just... I don't care. We'll just go to some bar and whatever. And uh, my friend Barbara came over and we, I had assumed we're going to a bar out here called the Belmont. They called an Uber for us to get up there. And she's like, the Uber's about to come around the block. And as it came around the block, it was a huge party bus. And uh, Annie and Stacy helped put this thing together. Adrian Plicky, who played 
Tyra and Stacy Oristano, who played Mindy, my wife, on the show, and uh, Taylor uh, Kitch was along with us. But it was a great time. We had a good time. My dog is over here coughing. She's got a little cold. That's all good. We got uh, we that, got our dog over here. That sleeping. absolutely happens every time we do a podcast. Uh, so, do you guys? Are you guys all still in Texas? No, no I, I I live in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, Taylor's got a place in Austin, um, but he's in L.A. quite a bit. Uh, but pretty much everyone's in in L.A. still. I think yeah. it's I think it's amazing that you guys are all still tight, though. That's like I don't know how often that happens in showbiz, but that's that's sick. You know, I don't know. I mean, this experience for all of us. I've said to, to other friends of mine that that weren't on the show that uh, that this. You know, I had high school, I had college, and then this was a totally different thing for a lot of us. This was our first. Our first foray into 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 television, you know, uh, Plicky, I think had the most experience out of everybody, but um, she never had a show go, you know. Mm. And so for all of us, this was just this huge learning experience, and and we all got to experience it together. So I think that that's kind of aided in us being as close as we are. It was always a really tight knit, close group, and it's kind of remained that way. That's, I see Taylor on a regular basis. I see Jesse Plemons on a regular basis. Uh, Adrian, Stacy, um, Scott Porter, Michael B. Jordan. Um, but in general, I mean, we were just lucky to have a cast where everyone got along and really loved the work, you know? And, and that, that is like the perfect length. I mean, you, you mentioned that it's kind of like the next thing after college. To have something four to six years, that is like the perfect length to have one of those sections of your life. Yeah, it, it was. It was great. Um, and the other thing that was really different about this, I think, uh, for us is that we were shooting in Austin, Texas. And so people were away from their friends, their family. So for better or worse, you were forced to have relationships. You know what I mean? Mm. When you got done shooting at the end of the night, you weren't going home to your wife and kids. You were, you were in Texas. Uh, so it, it forced everybody to go out and, you know, have drinks after work or, or go grab dinner after work because there was no one else, you know, it was us. So, uh, it, but there was no better place to be honestly than Austin, Austin's Texas. We all, Austin's awesome. Yeah, it's a great city. Um, so shifting focus to the show, one of the biggest, uh, debates that we had during the round table is whether or not Billy is a good brother to Tim. You know, I go back and forth on that myself. I think uh, I remember in the first season there was there was an episode where we got in a I think it was the eighth episode of the season, and it was really important to me um, that that we show that that Billy loves Tim, uh, and we, we had this big fight. And I thought if it just comes across that I love him, the audience buys that. If they believe that Billy loves him, there's a lot of terrible things that he can do that are forgivable. Um, but you know, I don't know if you guys have brothers. I have relationships with my little brothers and man, I know I did some terrible things picking on them when they were kids. Uh, at the end of the day though, he loves his brother. Uh, I don't think it excuses all of his actions. And I think he goes about things the wrong way a lot of the time, but there is a love there, you know? How was Billy described to you when you took the part? Like, how, how did you act him? I mean, I, we, we always try to describe what Billy is, and I always come back to tortured soul, but, I mean, there's also kind of a lot of, uh, like, he's trying his best and just finds ways to, to fuck up. How did you view uh, the Billy character as you went into to playing him? Well, you know, I, I mean, I'd seen the movie. Uh, when I actually auditioned for the role, 
uh, Peter Berg wasn't sure whether or not Billy was going to be a father or a brother. So literally in the waiting room, there were guys my age, and at that point I was uh, late 20s, uh, but then there were guys that were, you know, 50, hmm. auditioning for the same role because it was a small part in the very beginning. Uh, and there wasn't necessarily a huge discussion about who this guy is. But uh, And I actually auditioned with the Tim McGraw sides from the film. Oh, cool. um, because if you remember correctly, there's just not a lot in the pilot uh, for Billy at that point in time. It, but that was a lot of characters, I think, in this show. There was kind of a type. Pete wanted a type, and then it was one of these things that – kind of became an organic process, uh, I think, with the writers working with that particular actor um, and learning a little bit about them and who they are. Uh, so there wasn't anything necessarily defined about Billy in the very beginning. We knew that he was a bit of a redneck, that he was you know, a bit white trash. Uh, Love that, to um, Tim's exes. Yes, yeah, that mom and dad weren't around, that he was a former football player. It was never really discussed whether he was any good at football. Uh, that was something that kind of grew organically through the show is that Tim was the better football player. And that, that kind of pissed Billy off in some respects because I think Billy wanted, um, from my own standpoint, I always thought Billy wanted wanted to have the success that Tim did, but just wasn't good enough. Oh, definitely. Um, but then there was also that whole idea of, like, you've had the opportunities that I never had and you're throwing it all away. Um, it, I think once we realized that Billy's kind of taken over for mom and dad and that he's a kid himself, uh, I think there's a lot of forgiveness as an audience we can have for him. Because I don't think he's a bad guy. Hmm. I think he means well. I just – he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, you know? Right. So then what was it like uh, making that transition because uh – Billy went from kind of in the beginning background to being a, a supporting character and then eventually a, a, a central character on the show. Um, for you, what, what was that like, especially amid all the, the turmoil of the show changing networks and everything like that? Man, I was just thrilled and ecstatic to ever have that opportunity. I remember when I auditioned for this thinking, having seen the movie and read the book, that there's definitely potential for this character to grow and for there to be story for him. Uh, and so I was just excited because I knew that there was, this was my big break. This was the first big thing I'd ever really done. You know, I, I, uh, just come from New York. I'd lived in New York for six years doing a lot of regional theater and a lot of theater in general. Um, so for me, that's, I was just looking at this as like a huge opportunity. Um, I had mentioned it a few minutes ago, but, uh, Billy had a tendency to chase around Tim's former love flames. Yes. <laughs> Did you pick up on that when you were like reading the scripts? Were you like, what the hell is going on here? There was definitely supposed to be more of that even. I remember in one episode, like Billy was supposed to in the original script, Billy and Tyra like make out. I'm still upset that that didn't happen. Yeah. That is that's no fun. Well, I'm sure Palicki's thrilled it didn't. But right. uh you know, I I, I was always <laughs> he's just a shady guy, you know? <laughs> he's uh, poor Billy. Yeah, here I am trying to defend some of his actions, and some of them are just un- – you can't defend them. You don't hook up with your brother's girlfriend. Meanwhile, my dog is over here just – you hear that? Yeah. it's it's <laughs> Our listeners are used to it by now. We yeah. Have, we have dogs. We have lots going. of dog action in our show. Uh, so then – so you said that was the pilot. So did Smash end up uh, playing Mr. Steal Your Girl to Billy? Because Smash ended up making out with Tyra. No, no, no. Well, in the <laughs> – 
obviously uh, very early on, Tyra was making out with a lot of different people. Yes, Tyra came a long way. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, that's once again a testament to the writers on this show. I think that they, uh, in the beginning, Tyra was a little bit two dimensional. It wasn't anything that Adrian was doing. It was uh, the fact that I, I don't think that that, that we. Had, as writers and as actors really figured out what this character was and, and where they were going. And it was the same thing with Billy, you know, Billy could have come off. I think very early on is just a two dimensional asshole. Hmm. As I said before, like once we realize that this guy loves his brother, but there's also a lot of animosity at the fact that his life has been cut short because of this, everything that Billy aspired towards everything. Billy wanted to be a professional golfer. Uh, we, right. we mentioned that Billy was actually really good at golf, and this is something that he had potential at. And then all of a sudden, he's stuck taking care of his little brother because mom and dad are deadbeats, you know? Hmm. And that's, that's got to be why he was always flipping his shit about Tim wanting to give up on shit, because as much as he was like, go, I, I believe in I think in Billy's you. mind, it was like, we have an opportunity for the first time in, in our family. Right. Something. And Billy gave up so much to provide for Tim and to take care of Tim. You know, I mean, I, I've read a lot of stuff online or, or heard people say, you know, like I'll get tweaks and people are like, you're such an asshole. And it's all because of Billy. And I'm like, Billy had to give up his friggin' life to take care of his little brother. Who do you think pays for that house? Who do you think paid for Tim's car? Tim hmm. never had a job. Billy was out there doing illegal shit a lot of times, but providing for him. So I can defend that all day long. Now, did he make the wisest decisions? No, but he provided for his brother. He put food on the table and he was a kid at the time, you know, mm. taking on a responsibility that no brother is supposed to do that. That's what mom and dad are for. My they were never there. My favorite so. Billy uh, fuck up has to be, and it's such a minor one, but when uh, they, when they kind of drop the suit, so to speak with the meth head and it's all settled, the money's been paid. And Billy says something to the effect of like, and you're not going to come back here or something like it was done. The door was closed. You guys were safe. And then Billy just has to spike the football in the most ridiculous way. Not realizing that this guy's going to pull a gun on him. Right. Yeah. That, like guns are in play. <laughs> I, my favorite one is uh, when he is in the shed. But, you know, right. My favorite one is when he just takes Tim's car and crashes it into the front yard and then just like plays it off like, oh, whoops, had a bad night. <laughs> it was a rough evening. <laughs> uh, Mindy, Mindy was on a Mindy broke up with him. You know, yeah. things happen. That, that actually, <laughs> I can defend the guy all day long. I yeah. don't know, well, that's why I could play him, I guess. But, uh, yeah. We should yeah, add when you talk round about round. a lot of these things, it's right. going through a therapy session. I'm like, yeah, this guy sounds like a real asshole. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we should have just had you there for the round table, and every time we brought up Billy, you could have been like, ah, oh, well, no, <laughs> yeah, actually. What? Fuck you guys. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was trying to defend him on a regular basis. You know, you got to play the guy. So uh, I I feel like everything he did was justified. Well, I don't understand. You know? if, if people actually disliked Billy, that's a, that's a poor take. I mean, I said off the top, Billy was one of our favorite characters because – uh, for for lack of a better term, I mean, in a lot of ways, he was kind of a, a lovable loser. He, I never found him to be malicious or, or evil. He was or anything a pretty like real character with flaw, like real flaws. Yeah, uh, and, and I hope that that's what came across. But I think that there's a lot of people that are definitely like upset when Tim takes the rap for Billy. You know, yeah. Uh, I think it's also because they realize that Tim's going to be gone for a couple episodes. <laughs> yeah. 
What was it like? like why did the writers make me the one that has to take the, the blame for this? <laughs> what was you it? Know? What was it like uh, playing those kind of heavier scenes around the time of the the, the crash of the chop shop? The uh, there's the Thanksgiving scene, and there's the scene with uh, with Tim telling you that this is my decision and everything. I mean, you guys were kind of a, a lot of the show was like, oh, what are the Riggins boys up to now? And then this was sort of the the, the heaviest moments of maybe the, the entire series. Um, to be honest with you, like, I think there's a blessing doing television in some respects because, like, you get to, to grow with these characters. And Taylor and I have become, at this point, like, really, really close friends. So there wasn't any kind of, you know, as an actor, they, they talk about this thing like the imaginary if. Like, what if you don't even really have to think that hard when you get to that point? Taylor and I are such good friends. It was easy enough for me as an actor to just be like, what would happen if because of my actions, Taylor wound up having to go to jail for me? Mm. That, that it makes me want to cry. just thinking about that right now, you know? Uh, so it's not, you get to a place, I think. And as I said, the wonderful thing about television, because these bonds have been created, like it's not a lot of acting involved, you know? Uh, so it was actually pretty easy, those moments, you know, all I had to do was just think about, you know, what, what if I, I caused this to a good friend of mine? Mm. That would be awful, you know? Getting real emotional here, so we're going to have to talk about your underwear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about it in particular? <laughs> I think the question that was brought up between one of the other roundtable people was, uh, did you make the decision to wear like the banana hammock bikini bottoms? You're nodding your head. Yes. Uh, now it was in the script that Billy was in his underwear. And I remember on the day I was sitting in my trailer and wardrobe came in and brought like four or five different pairs of boxers. And I was like, I said, guys, Billy's been hooking up with Mindy here. Like he's not wearing boxers anymore. Like he thinks he's sexy right now. So I had asked uh, specifically for a banana hammock, and I remember having uh, uh, a phone call with Jeffrey Reiner, who was uh, directing that that episode and directed many episodes for Friday Night Lights, an amazing director. But I called him on the phone, and I said, hey, man, do you have a problem with Billy wearing a banana hammock in this? And he's like, do you want to? And I said, I don't want to wear one, but I think Billy would. And so that was the decision. I regret it regularly but i don't think uh, you, yeah i mean <laughs> that was totally me so you, you you're doing a lot of underwear scenes with with some something of a sex symbol and i'm, I'm not talking about mindy uh as, as, as beautiful as she was i'm talking about this all the scenes with you and tim sitting around in your underwear drinking beer and eating pizza was that at all a challenging decision to come to that like all right it's I'm only gonna... challenging because taylor made it challenging like he'd sit there and be like oh my god you're <laughs> so fat <laughs> Well, actually, so we we looked. I just googled. I googled Billy Riggins underwear, uh, as I often do, and uh, I you didn't necessarily even have a dad bod or anything. You were pretty in shape yourself, but yeah, uh, that was you know six years ago. But yeah, maybe <laughs> that was before for Taylor. But yeah, I was in decent shape. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so, how much uh, with Taylor? Um, how much real or fake beer did you end up drinking over the course of that series? Unfortunately, man, it was a lot of fake beer. A lot of fake beer? Yeah. I mean, never on set. We never drink real beer on set. Sorry. That's a, that's a bummer. Um, 
The to be uh, honest with you, like I've been known to partake once or twice, uh, but Taylor's not really a big drinker, and it's no really, that body. So it's really it's a weird thing because we'll be out at a bar, and of course, when people recognize the Riggins brothers, the first thing they want to do is buy you shots, <laughs> um, and it gets it gets a little you know. There's only so many times you can take a shot at the end of a day, you know. Uh, and as I said, Taylor's not much of a drinker, so it's like one of these things where it's like, dude, these guys just want to buy you shots all the time, you know. And I'm not a big – I don't really like shots. So, you know, it's kind of <laughs> – that's the, the downside of being a Riggins brother. I didn't Everyone even, wants to get drunk with you. you know? I didn't even think about that. So obviously, yeah, you're, you and Taylor are friends. I never even thought about the fucking possibility that sometimes people are sitting in bars and see the Riggins brothers walk in together. You have to be I mean, like, dude, hey man, can we buy you a drink? And I'm like, <laughs> it must drive you crazy. But you have to understand, if I saw yeah. you and Taylor at a bar, I would be like, I would take off my clothes right away and be like, dude, we're on our underwear now. Yeah, this is just like the show. You know, a little bit of that, you know, so that sucks. <laughs> and it's so great, though. It's that's what they call them, uh, princess problems or whatever. Yeah, you know, worst things in life. You know what? I would actually do a bunch of dudes wanting to buy you drinks. Yeah, so I, uh, well, we actually we had uh, Chris Diamantopoulos from uh, Silicon Valley on, and I don't know if you've seen that show, but his like catchphrase is this guy fucks. And he was yeah. saying that he was at uh, the airport with his children, and a bunch of frat bros were like screaming to his children about how no, their he, dad he said fucks over the intercom. They yeah. were in the intercom and said, This guy fucks. <laughs> So those but yeah, that's tough. What so is the, I, what is the weirdest like real world like fan boy Riggins experience? Let me think. There was a time in Austin once where Taylor and I were just hanging out, and uh, it started out. It was like one person came up and said hi, and that they liked the show, and then I think because that one person did it. Another person felt like it was okay. And then th- there came a point where it almost, I maybe for the first time in my life, felt like a beetle because uh, the whole bar was now around us. Uh, and there were literally like 60 people surrounding us. And it started to get a little weird. And everyone was asking questions. And I mean, at the end of the day, like I love the fact that there are people that watch this show and love this show. But that was one of the weirder moments. It was just like, I can only imagine like this is what Justin Bieber feels like or, or the Beatles or, or whoever. And it was that small portion of it. And that was a little weird and funky. Jesus, you know, you, you, know, you know what ours would be? We, if, if we saw you there, I wouldn't be able to control myself. I would scream like something like, like, Billy, are you here with your family? Because like Billy and Tim screaming at each other about family is where the show goes from great to perfection in my mind. I appreciate it. I, I did a, a search uh, through the season four scripts. I did the command F thing where you can type in the word. And it says how many times it comes up. I was astonished that you and Tim only said the word family to each other four times in season four. The way I remember season four is you two screaming at each other about, I have a family now. You have a family now. Tim, this is for the family. And I, I was astonished it didn't happen more often. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh, the best. Um, one last, like, geeky, what was this like question. Uh, how heavy was the wire? How heavy was the oh. wire? When, when you Not guys had TV to look. No, yeah. 
how emotional was the was watching the wire like for like when you guys had to put the wire onto the uh what did you you yeah, put it on the truck was, or a van or something <laughs> uh yeah it wasn't that heavy actually oh really it, uh, believe it or not there was uh just an exterior spool of of copper um and i i don't know if it was foam underneath or what but it was not heavy at all that was we made it look heavy we did good work terrific acting yeah <laughs> uh it, what are directly, you... copper wire was actually really expensive at that time, and our show was about to get canceled. So yeah, there wasn't we weren't <laughs> spending a ton of money on real copper wire. <laughs> just an entire season four budget, just straight right. to copper wire. <laughs> uh, what Forget that you... crane shot, right? Derek, no more, no more waters on set. Yeah, sorry, Kyle, you can't be on the show anymore. We had to do some. <laughs> there was a, a steer, a crane, and some copper wire. Exactly. <laughs> um, what are your roots to football? Uh, I played football in high school and, you know, some of the art imitating life thing. Uh, my little brother was a really, really good high school football player. And uh, he went on to college and after his freshman year, he was like, I'm done. Didn't want to play anymore. And there was a little bit of that Billy Tim thing there. Uh, I played football. I loved football. I wasn't very good. Um I remember like my freshman year acting class, we had a teacher who said, if there's anything else you could do, what would it be? And if, if there is anything else you could do and be happy, then go do it. Uh, and I remember at the time thinking, man, if I could play football, uh, I would do that in a heartbeat. So I was, I was a little upset when my little brother stopped playing football in college. I, trust me, I've gotten over it. I'm not holding a grudge like Billy did. Um, so that was my connection with football. And I remember, uh, I went to school in Texas at Baylor University. My dog is trying to nuzzle in this conversation. Um, Lucy, you want to say hi? Want to say hi? Come here. Is that a bulldog? Yes. So, as I said, she's been a little sick the past couple of days. But um, so I played high school football. Uh, I remember when I went to school. I went to school at Baylor University in Texas, um, and I'm from Miami originally. And uh, all these guys were talking about this book, Friday Night Lights. You got to read this book, Friday Night Lights. And at the time, I, I never got around to it. I remember when the movie was coming out, um, I went and saw the movie uh, and was just blown away by it. Because to me, that was my life. I mean, I played football through high school, through junior high, uh, through part of elementary school. Um, and that feeling when, when it was taken away from me, when I could no longer play, uh, it was heartbreaking, man. So I really connected to that that idea. Uh, I read the book after watching the movie in, in the course of a day. Um, and actually, when I got the audition for the show, I was a little upset that they were going to do a, a TV show of Friday Night Lights because I was such a fan of the book and of the movie. You know, I thought they're going to screw this up. It's going to be some WB, you know, crap. Um, but I was obviously very pleasantly surprised. With uh, oh, she got her squeaky toy. I gotta move that. Um, <laughs> but I was very ple- pleasantly surprised, obviously, with uh, the direction um, that Pete took the show in, and and uh, and just blown away by everyone's performances in it. You um, you mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, you mentioned uh, going to Baylor for undergrad. I was wondering. Being from Miami and then going to college in Texas, did that properly kind of Texasize you for 
this show and maybe when you or your agent uh, were pushing for stuff. Yeah, like I, I imagine that that would go such a long way, right? I mean, if you can tell, like, I mean, my natural speaking voice, I got a little bit of a East Coast thing. Right. So, yeah, definitely uh, having that experience that four years in Texas was I don't know that I could have played this part without having that experience. You know, Texas is so singularly its own thing, you know, <laughs> I honestly, uh, and there's such a pride. I, I love Texas, but I still am kind of like, and most of my friends are from Texas. You know what I mean? Like yeah. oddly enough, most of my friends in LA are people that I went to school with at Baylor, uh, barring like my Friday night lights crew, you know? So it's really, Texas has a, a really close place to my heart. Um, I'm so thankful I got the opportunity to live in, uh, in Texas for four years and then to work there for five, you know? Um, yeah. but I don't think, being a kid who grew up from Miami that I would have had any connection with, with Texas and been able to, to work on this show without having that experience first. I was going to say like, even after watching the show, you feel like intertwined with Texas that like you could go, like you need that like Texas introduction to, to understand Texas. It really was kind of a 12th man, uh, on that show. And I remember when we shot the pilot, <clears throat> they, there was actually a discussion between the studio and network uh, as to whether or not we would shoot the show in Texas. And man, I don't think that show would have it would it wouldn't have worked uh, had we shot it in you know L.A. or, or, or even New Mexico. Uh, Texas was such a part of that show, and I think all the actors, you know, we. We loved being there. We loved experiencing it. You know, we loved going out and two-stepping and getting barbecue and, you know, having beer. And there was just so much of, of our own experience that was Texas by being in Austin. Uh, and there's good reason why, like, Connie bought a place there. Kyle bought a place there. Taylor bought a place there. Gaius bought a place there. Um, Scott Porter met his wife there. I mean, you know, it, it's... I can't imagine that show being shot anywhere else. You know, um, it just wouldn't have worked. Awesome. I mean, it, Go ahead. Just those skylines, you know, mm. there's this wonderful shot of uh, Taylor and I on the side of the road in the scene where our car is stall stalled out and they shot it from like a hundred yards back. You know what I mean? Mm. Because that skyline just doesn't exist anywhere other than Texas, you know, wide open range with sky for days uh, you can't, you can't get that anywhere else. I mean, you sure as hell can't get it in LA and I love LA, but it just wouldn't work. Did you ever go to the bat bridge in Austin? Yeah, that actually the hotel I stayed in for most of the first and second season, uh, was right, right by the bat bridge. So I had a very good view, uh, most nights of lots of bats. That is the most, that is the oddest and most fascinating thing. I think anyone will ever really see weird, but, on the planet, but it's fitting yeah. for Austin because Austin is like super quirky in its own right. It's a weird place, man. It's a great place, but it's definitely weird. Yeah, I went to a movie there. I went uh, to a movie there last summer, and it was the it was Jurassic World. And instead of previews, they just had classic movie scenes with one of those uh, toy dinosaur stick things like uh, creeping into Alamo draft house. I'm assuming. What's that? Alamo Draft House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're going to see a movie in Austin, you have to go to Alamo Draft House. It was – and I didn't know what we were walking into because it was pouring and we were like, let's just go inside somewhere. Okay, there's a movie theater. And it was the weirdest <laughs> there you go. 
fucking. Meanwhile, my dog grabbed her squeaky toy again. Let me get it. <laughs> Go for it. I put it up on top of uh, the end table, and she crawled up there and got. <laughs> She's a it's tricky it's little shit. Static bulldog. <laughs> um, hey man, she plays frisbee. It's pretty impressive. Wow. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we had a good laugh up about during the roundtable was where Billy proposes to Mindy, which is the Seven Senoritas Cantina. Classy. Real classy. <laughs> was, was, were you a part of the discussion where, where is this going to happen? No, I didn't even know that this was going to happen. I read the script and I was like, you got to understand, I knew Stacy before the show. I've known Stacy's oh, really? dad for 12 years. Uh, so it's really funny that Stacy and I wind up becoming love interests on the show. Um, so I, it was just fun. It was fun. And she's literally like the – she's the best, man. She's so giving. She's such a great actress. Uh, and, you know, I mean it can be difficult having physical scenes with, with somebody else. Stacy's just like – I mean first day she's like grab my tits, <laughs> grab my ass, kiss me. All right. You can do all those things. And let it go. You know what I mean? Uh, so from that point on, it was like every scene, I felt like Billy was grabbing Mindy's tits uh, well, or they, ass. They had to much. make her character work at the landing strip to prepare for these scenes with Billy Riggins. Exactly. And poor Stacy. Oh, she had to deal with it. But she's a trooper. What was going on with uh, your wedding band? They were amazing. Like the 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 cool guys. Band? Yeah. They. Uh, what were they singing? They were singing. Uh, Ah, shit. They were singing Peter Frampton. Wasn't it Mustang Sally? Oh, no. They, well, so that was at the reception. I think what I, I could be wrong. When Minnie's coming down the aisle, they're singing, uh, they're singing uh, Baby, I Love Your Way. And oh, uh, the actual, uh, when I proposed to her, those were all crew members. Oh, is that it? Okay, so I'm remembering it wrong. So those were crew members because it seemed like they kind of knew the words maybe and. It was I all- think they were singing uh, John Parker, who was one of like our grips or something like that. <laughs> it was really weird. That was just Jeffrey Reiner, and it was kind of like an inside thing for our crew. But yeah, a- that was all crew guys <laughs> at the wedding awesome. the proposal. That's fantastic. So that there's the, the budget again, hard at work. Well, some of it was that, but some of it was like inside joke for all of us. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Billy's buddy Falcon. I don't know if you guys have a buddy named Falcon. It was so fucking random. Uh, but that was our prop guy, you know, and he just showed up. I mean, you got to understand, like, on a film set, some of your crew members are some scary-looking dudes, you know, especially in Texas. I mean, we had some long-haired, like, you know, in Austin, guys are weird, man. So there were some weird-looking dudes. That's amazing. Uh, to see the way that the show aged, uh, how gratifying is it? I, mean, I mentioned before switching networks. You mentioned like at any moment thinking, what, when's the show going to get canceled? To see how it's aged, it's like it certainly has a cult following. I mean, Pete and I, neither of us watched the show when it was on at the time. We, we watched it years later and then, like everyone else, watched it four or five times. I think with the introduction of Netflix, I mean, they, there's a, a whole new way for people to get to watch this show. You know, it, it, I think it would have been really difficult for this show to have the legs that it's had if we were, you know, 20 years ago where the only way to catch up with it would be through reruns. Um, I think the, the, the wonderful thing about Netflix is that, and especially with a show like ours, where you can't really jump three seasons into it. You know, you kind of got to start from the beginning. My dog is sitting here. I mean, just going nuts. (laughs) 
but um, I, I think with the advent of Netflix, there's a whole new audience for it. Um, and it's been really interesting, you know. I feel like I get recognized more now, and the show's been off the air for six years than I ever did when when we were on TV. Your storyline was kind of left open-ended as the series uh, concluded. Uh, you were coaching uh, Dylan. Oh, yeah. But we don't know if you were the head coach or... I, I wasn't the head coach. I know that much. Uh, I know what they really, really wanted, and it didn't work out because of scheduling, is they wanted Billy Bob Thornton to be the head coach. Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, it would have just been a nice little you know thing to turn around. And Billy Bob was totally down to do it from what I hear, but uh, there was a scheduling conflict. Um, so, no, Billy was never meant to be the head coach. Uh, I think the way they left it open is that, like, Billy might be, you know? Yeah. Damn. If uh, there's been a lot of rumblings about the possibility of a, a, a movie adaptation of the TV series down the road, would you be interested in that? You know, I, 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 I at this point, I know it's probably never ever going to happen. Um, I feel a little mixed about that. You know, there's a part of me that would love to do it just for selfish reasons because it'd be wonderful to work with all those people again and and everybody to get back together, but. The show ended on such a wonderful note. I feel like Jason Kadams, who was our head writer, like did such a wonderful job with the show uh, through all those transitions of, you know, I mean, how many shows lose half their main cast at one fell swoop? Right. And then the people that come in are so wonderful, you know, between Journey uh, and Madison Burge and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, we just lucked out, you know. Um, so... You know, I, I, I don't I don't know that I would want to do a film. As I said, I just feel like it ended on such a wonderful note. But, you know, I could probably be convinced. Who knows? <laughs> well, this has been a super cool conversation, Derek. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, please keep fighting the good fight in defending Billy. <laughs> Fuck the haters, All day, man. man. All day. He's the best character on that show. Come on. Well, you can stick your dog <laughs> on them as well. So, Thank you guys so much for this opportunity. It was wonderful talking to you. That concludes the Clear Eyes, Full Hearts podcast series from Brunch. Thanks to John, Jeff, and everyone from the show who participated. And thanks, as always, to Katie Polo for all the artwork. If you've enjoyed this series, please leave us five stars and a review. Just search Brunch on iTunes. I was living in a devil town. He means well, but he can't really but like, get never, it together. See, I he's think never that if I think that bad. Like, wait, when it comes to, whoa, when it comes okay. time to test your character, he always comes through. So here's the first bad. time he could test his character. All right, your best friend is paralyzed. What do you do? I think Norman fuck his girlfriend, right? <laughs> yes. But I was always like, why are people rooting for this couple? But no chemistry there. Like people are like, you guys are so in love. I'm like, no, you know, gross. What are you talking about? I mean, like, all it took to, for him to get out of the friend zone was just some light manslaughter. And yeah, <laughs> seriously, that that is like I would uh, do that. That's yeah. pirate. What was your favorite scene to shoot aside from the one where the guy chased you throughout the college campus and uh, you're pretty much <laughs> naked? <laughs> oh man, that that was funny. I remember, I remember shooting. <laughs> I remember shooting that scene, thinking just like, wow. The, the paraplegic or quadri- paraplegic who uh, flips a house yep. is total nonsense. <laughs> and then, and why? I think it was like episode eight or nine. When we finally kissed, and by that point, everyone knows that Amy's 16 and I'm 23, and like 
and it's going to be awkward and weird. Stacy's just like, I mean, first day, she's like, grab my tits, <laughs> grab my ass, kiss me. All right, you can do all those things and let it go. I would watch 13 episodes of Riggins and Street in New York City. You are such an asshole, but it means that you did such a great job. But once Jeremy was sort of unable to figure out a way to stick around for more money, there's no reason to have dad around if he's not around. So the whole thing kind of fell apart, I think. Yeah, they could have had the dad kill the kid. <laughs> there you go. I was, I was up for that or drive off a cliff or something. You know. Right. That's such a classic like naive white kid way to get drugs like just go just to, show up to a park just, just, oh, like, get, black, oh there are black people that hang out here <laughs> like do you, you got drugs out? yeah he's like do you guys got oxygen like no dude i'm not fucking here playing fucking two-hand dud football with my son <laughs> get the hell out of here like the question could be like where do you want to go for lunch today and he'd be like oh <laughs> i don't care yeah we <laughs> He's over. Like, he's not over being a principal. He's over being alive. As I said, Taylor's not much of a drinker, so it's like one of these things where it's like, dude, these guys just want to buy you shots all the time, you know. And I'm not a big. I don't really like shots, so you know, it's kind of <laughs> that's the the downside of being a Riggins brother. I didn't... everyone wants to get drunk with you. <laughs>